0: This is Just Alan for RadioKingston.org, and today on Conversations, we have Rudy Hunter, a dancer, a magician, and just a great funny guy that I know for a very long time. He also does body work for people and for animals, and today Rudy's going to tell us his story. Good morning, Rudy. Hi, Alan. Great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you on here, and you're such a multi-talented guy. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So tell us a little about your early days. I know you come from, I believe, Toronto, Canada. And uh, tell us about uh, how you got started in dance and magic and what it's all about. Sure. Um, I actually was born
1: in England and emigrated to Toronto. How old were you when you emigrated? I I emigrated when I was five, so... For my first five years in North America, I had this lovely English accent, which only returns when I drink way, way, way too much. Um, And growing up in Canada, I, on my eighth birthday, decided I wanted to be a magician and a dancer, because I went to see Doug Henning, bless his soul, at uh, the Royal Alex in Toronto, and I thought that was the most mind bending extravaganza magical thing I had ever seen in my tiny little life and
0: he I, he really did spur on a lot of young people uh, to go into magic he was he was
1: awesome, just flat out awesome
0: you know hippie hair and love
1: peace and floating and vanishing and just great and those jumpsuits you know you you can't buy that kind of entertainment so I started practicing like a maniac i started um Dance classes. I was, of course, the only boy in the dance classes. I was way before my time. Nowadays, that's not uncommon. Back in my old school days, uh, I was the I was the dork you could see from space. I was the the dude in the with all the girls in the class.
0: Well, what kind of dance was that?
1: Well, I was trained backwards. I was trained first as a tap dancer. I love tap. I was uh, really I grew up on MGM musicals, so.
0: Okay. I took tap as a young fellow oh, also. Oh,
1: see that? See that? You learn something every day. That's awesome.
0: I, I think you're the first person I've told that.
1: Wow. Well, not now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, in a follow-up uh, conversation, we're probably going to do a little tap together. I had no idea. Well, tap was, as you know, awesome, fun. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. And then I, I was trained backwards, so I started as a tap dancer. I went on to be classically ballet trained you know way too late quote unquote if you don't start when you're two you're behind the, you're behind the curve uh in that cruel profession uh and then I went on to jazz and modern and I ended up doing uh musical theater, which I loved and um that was dance and at the same time, I was standing in front of a mirror practicing 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 for years for. Somewhere between 10 and 14 hours a day.
0: Practicing dance.
1: Uh, Well, practicing dance, but also practicing magic. Ah, simultaneously. Yeah. So um, I think it helped my short attention span. When I got bored obsessing about one thing, I obsessed about the other. It helps to have lots of OCD when you're a kid and lots of anxiety if you want to go into those professions because it gives you something to do in every millisecond. And magic was, uh, as they say, very, very good to me. Uh, dance was a cruel mistress. I uh, wrecked my back in, uh, when I was 17 in a performance. I did a was in a musical theater piece. I did a hang drop from a piece of scenery, landed badly, and my back went out for. <laughs> for well, I went out in that moment, and it took a quite a long time to rehab. So my dancing career ended in that moment. Um, which I'm only just a little bitter about left uh, after all these years. And thankfully I had something to fall back on, which was magic. And magic really carried me through the disappointment and the regret I had about um, not being able to dance anymore.
0: But let's back up for a second. <clears throat> uh, the, uh, when you gave up dancing and you had your back injury, uh, you went to practitioners to help you with your back?
1: Well, I was, a, I was a broke performer living in Toronto, so I had no real money to speak of. After I did um, a little bit of uh, prescribed muscle relaxants, um, you know, which were fun <laughs> for, for what they do, uh, which is not very much, um, I didn't have any real resources to pro- – I didn't even know that there was a proper thing or a proper way to rehab a back. I was just in a lot of pain. And um, didn't have didn't have very much money so I had a, a crazy friend suggest to me that I go check out this very unusual thing that was happening in Toronto there was a lady who rented out office uh, empty office space and what she would do is she would have a group of people lie on the floor we'd all move in slow motion for about three hours and then at the end of the class you'd feel massively better your back would improve your legs would improve and I thought I, I was raised by scientists so I thought this was beyond out of the park I thought this was the craziest thing I had ever heard but the magic key to it was that it the classes were ten dollars <laughs> so it's like oh okay I'll go that was all it took and um, the that method, which is still around and still glorious and wonderful, is called the Feldenkrais method. It's not very well known, but it's a it's a very gentle rehab procedure that helps you restructure your brain pattern by moving your body slowly. So it's used often with folks who are frail, injured, the elderly who are afraid of their range of motion, or it's also used with... Um, very young children for developmentally delayed issues, so it was a godsend for me. It it shortened the the curve of my my craziness when I when I hurt my back.
0: Did that get you? Was that a turning point also that got you into body work uh, at that time?
1: It really was uh, because of my love of magic. I had such a such a subjective aha moment when this crazy stuff that I didn't understand s- created such an improvement in my own functioning. So I decided in that moment not only did I need to study bodywork, but um, <laughs> as I'm prone to, I needed to study every kind of bodywork ever invented and become good at all of them um, because. That's a it. It's magic.
0: That's what Type A personalities do. Well, I, you know, I've never thought of
1: myself as that, but uh, in certain areas, I have hyper achieved. Um, that's for sure. So I went on to, in the process of rehabbing my back, which was not an overnight sensation by any any wild stretch of the imagination. It took a long time, but I got a chance to take bodywork classes. I became so enthralled with it. I went on to. Not only study most of the the bodywork systems out there, but I taught many of them for many years. I was for a long time a what's called a touch for health instructor. I got a chance to study with uh, a genius chiropractor who developed this very. um, It's sort of the granddaddy of one of the bodywork systems out there. And I not only built a practice because I was really good at it, still am, um, but I went on to work on the clients of students, like when students were having an issue with an animal or a, or a person and they couldn't fix, I would work with them um, to get them better. So it was a great saving grace for me and I was pretty sure that because I was good with muscles and bones and ligaments and gait patterns and all that stuff, that this was gonna be my, really my salvation, it was gonna be the thing I was gonna do until I left the planet. Ah, best laid plans.
0: Yes, and then uh, did
1: magic take over? (laughs) No, magic saw me through. Magic really was um, a backbone for me. So I got a chance to establish myself in magic so much that um, without really my own doing, I ended up in the who's who in magic, which I'm pretty, pretty proud of. I think that's pretty awesome. But I did so many magic gigs... Um, I fulfilled most of my to do list or my goal list in magic. I did television commercials, I did lots of corporate work, did trade shows, galas, um, private parties. you name it. I worked for celebrities of you know it 's been I always like to tell people that the magic I did I made my living with a pack of cards, so I was a close up magician and I got invited to many more parties than I ever should have uh, in this lifetime and magic was extremely. Uh, good to me I retired from magic and before I retired I got a, a pretty irresistible offer over the years I had I had invented a lot of material a lot of mostly card tricks so uh, a publisher said if you're gonna be leaving I wanna grab some of your best stuff put it in books and on DVD so that there's a library of it and you can make some money of it your legacy and magic lives on and you know some somebody comes to me with a legacy offer i can't say no so that's what i did
0: so you did uh dvds uh, and um uh training training manuals
1: i did um there's about 40 of them in existence cuz 40 <laughs> dvds yeah i'm i'm a bit of a windbag wow so, yeah And if anyone ever wants to see me in a suit, which is a very, very rare occurrence, um, I'm in suits for most of those. I'm also on YouTube, I like to tell people. And for anyone who ever suffers insomnia, if you Google my name, which is Rudy Hunter, on YouTube, down, down, down on the pages, up will pop me in a suit and a tie even. Doing some card tricks, and I promise you, if you watch two or three of those, you will be completely unconscious by the time you're
0: done. <laughs> that's a great, <laughs> that's a great remedy. So, so tell us uh, some of your uh, early days in magic. Any particular interesting stories that you want to relate? Um, I,
1: there are so many great experiences that I had in magic. I, I really got a chance over the years. I was terrified to make the jump from crappy, normal, regular, soul-sucking jobs that I had, which were awful, uh, mostly mostly in the financial district, which is hilarious because I'm a I'm terrible at it, <laughs> just terrible. Um, but a few magicians that I I know, a couple in particular, helped me navigate the jump from these horrible jobs into. A very rare thing which is kind of a regular job in magic those are extremely hard to come by so I landed a I landed a job at a dinner theater in Toronto and I ended up um, I was hired as a close-up magician so I would work the tables individually with people before the evening dinner theater show and it was a lovely uh, and for me wonderfully safe environment where I kind of had a regular job I didn't have to go fund find the next job every three days it was there and it became a a base for me to make good really good friendships in magic and also a base to be hired out to do a lot of the other work that i ended up doing so i was able to build a reputation there and pay my rent you know which hallelujah that's that's what the arts are really all about (laughs) (laughs) You, you get to pay your rent and then you can be more creative and less sweaty um yeah, it was it was marvelous.
0: What was the name of that theater? Uh
1: the the show was uh, the it was at a restaurant called Harpers and the name of the show is A Little Night Magic.
0: And uh they had a uh, different stage acts and uh different uh, close-up magicians before the stage. They did. They
1: they circled uh they circulated many different uh stage acts. I became such a such a steadfast part of that that I w- I was mostly the close-up dude and I ended up setting a record I ha- I <laughs> I have the longest running close-up magic gig in a dinner theater in Toronto I was there seven years which is unheard of on um, un- until I set that record so once we realized I had been there that long I did a little math when a stage performer works for an audience there's you know two or three hundred people in the audience and that's wonderful when I work I would go table to table. So I was working very individually with uh, tables of two, tables of four, tables of ten before the show, and I very conservatively underestimated how many people I had worked for over the seven years, one-on-one individually, and it turned out to be my very conservative estimate was a quarter of a million people. I'm exhausted. Me too. I need to lie down. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's that's a lot of pick a card. Pick a card and finding the card. and and finding it exactly.
1: <laughs> well, welcome to my life.
0: Right. The easy part is picking. Right. So uh, so then after the magic, um, did the did the place close down or you just had enough? It it did close down
1: uh, shortly before uh, shortly after I left, and and I had. I had had enough I, I ran sort of my uh, circuit and at that point in time I was in the process of moving to New York so it worked pretty seamlessly and I still stay in touch with most of the performers from that show and some of the wait staff who were there for forever are really good friends I made I made my best friend who's she's no longer with us sadly but it was in this very wacky environment full of very interesting people that we connected, we stayed friends for uh, donkey's years and, and really got close. So it's one of those things, you know, sometimes you work in an office where everybody's fabulous or you are you join a team where you, you instantly connect with people. This was that kind of environment and it was packed with theater and crazy and neurotic people, all the stuff I like, all the juicy yes, stuff of life. That's
0: what's interesting. Neurotics are the most interesting. Yeah, they're never dull. Yeah. <laughs> So, so now uh, the magic is over and you've come to New York and uh, what are you doing? Well, I run a, I run a very
1: unusual private practice. The, the goal back, back when, my, my interest in body work started from the back injury, and that has never waned. In fact, it's, it's picked up speed. So I r- have run a practice for people and for animals. I'm a lifelong animal lover uh, for many, many years. I've opened and closed the practice, um, and it's gone through different different forms and versions. But my goal was always to be very mechanical, very hands-on, because that's the stuff that I'm really good at. And if you meet me at a party, uh, I'm usually, you know, all over the dog, and uh, if somebody's got a knee problem or a hip problem or whatever, I'll quietly fix them Um, Because I like I like to literally keep my hand in it's it's a very satisfying Pleasurable things to be able to help But years ago, I was introduced to a another series of crazy people in New York Who were able to do? The kinds of Corrections that I was doing mechanically with my hands much faster and at a distance and They seeing these people work Blew my mind. They actually destroyed most of what I believed in in the hard fast science of you have to touch and you've got to manipulate and it has to be this way. I saw people do at a distance spectacularly unusual corrections on people and animals and I had my next experience which was that looks like magic I not only have to know how it's done I have to know everything in creation about any possible way that that could happen, because it was it was a very woo woo. It's a very I I call them you know the tinfoil hat brigade. These these are nutty nutty people. So God being a god of irony, I end up these days in my practice where this is the only way I work. I work remotely with people and animals around the world. I work with Italian racehorses, packs of dogs in Australia. I work with folks who have suffered trauma, um, folks who who are stuck in their healing journey, and this is the, the exact kind of work that I'm doing, and I'm actually pretty pretty famous for um, in in the healing universe and in the circuit of work.
0: Uh, now, your work has taken you, I know, down to Florida where you've worked in prisons, or a particular prison, uh, helping men uh actually the prison uh has a program that trains dogs and lets the prisoners work with dogs and then the dogs are adopted out and that sounded very very interesting maybe you could tell us something about that
1: sure it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite ways to spend time um the prison is Walton Correctional and it's in um in Freeport Florida the program itself is run by a very savvy, brilliant animal refuge down there called Alaquah, which is a bit of a mouthful. It's you want to spell yeah, that for us? Alaquah. Yes, A L A Q U A. It's Alaquah Animal Refuge, and um, the husband and wife that run this place—they've um, been very kind to me. They're, in my estimation, they do everything right. Um, so it's it's a sanctuary situation. They're always trying to adopt out animals. There are certain sets of animals who are unadoptable, so they have a forever home at the at the sanctuary. And this place is staffed by engaged volunteers. Um, just it's a glorious glorious place. And they run this teeny tiny shoestring, almost unknown, little program, which is my favorite part. I spent a lot of time at the refuge too, but, <laughs> uh, they're on this program out of the prison and it's exactly that. It's a 12 week week cyclical fostering program. So dogs that they're trying to adopt out that need training skills before they get adopted into the family or the group or the wherever they're going. They have this great program that uses energy work uh, in the medium security men's prison and the dogs come in, and it's two dudes to one dog. So one's, one's technically a trainer, one's technically a handler, although they switch roles. And the sets of guys also switch between the dogs, so the dogs don't get completely focused just on these two fellows. Um, and a few years ago, I got introduced to this program. I went down with a group of people who were doing energy work. I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. Uh, I had one objective in mind during my first visit. Because remember, this is medium security. This is neck tattoos, slamming doors, body searches, the whole nine yards, and this is just to come visit. So my goal was that I was not going to cry. And that lasted exactly 10 minutes. (laughs) So I, I'm in I'm in the workroom with the guys and the dogs uh, gently weeping and I'm thinking to myself this is it I'm I'm going to die here. So the crying was not because it was scary. Um thankfully. It's because I saw something spectacularly beautiful. I saw these men who were always in prison mask face cuz If you're in an in a tough environment like that you wear a prison mask that's part of how you function and then they as they turn their face and look at the dog they're working on the mask and this is not subtle you don't have to you don't have to dig to see this it's really obvious the mask drops the face softens you can see their heart pop open they play with the dog they do the stuff they're doing and then, as they look away from the dog, the mask reemerges. And it is so unusual and so beautiful to see what the symbiotic relationship is between the dogs and the men. Aliqua, in their uh, genius, has an agreement with the guys. And here's part of why it's so magical they use energy work in this program, which makes them unique. There's lots of other. Uh, animal farm animal cat dog programs in prison and they're all good but this program uses energy work and the agreement is that the men will work on themselves on their own bodies first using the energy work before they ever touch the dogs and that one maneuver I guess or rule or piece of inspired cleverness really creates this unbelievable circle of give receive and and the receiving is way more powerful than the giving so it it opens the men up and it puts them in the same loop as the dogs they're helping so the rehab really really flows
0: and uh now these dogs come from a rescue uh uh, place, and then they're placed into the prison. They uh, the dogs actually stay in the prison facilities with the men. Yes, so all the dogs come from
1: Aliqua, which is the initial refuge. Um, I'll spare you all the gory details because I can't talk about the gory details. that's that's the part of the work that I do that rips me to shreds. So I don't want to hear about it. i I know, and I've seen some of the environments that they come from. And they arrive in Safetyville at Alacroix first. And then a selection of them that are going to enter the fostering program are taken from Alacroix to the prison. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. These go these dogs go from, from a horrifying background full of trauma and abuse and creepiness. They arrive in, in safety at Alacroix where they get some length of time with other animals in proximity. So... They still have their trauma, but they're reassured by the other animals. You can, and again, this is not a subtle thing. You arrive at the refuge and you feel something. That something is an overwhelming sense of safety. And you don't have to go digging for it. So they get some sort of stability or establishment there. And then as one of my friends says, think about it from their point of view they enter nirvana in the prison suddenly there are two adult men for you as this little dog waiting on you fussing training playing feeding you snacks giving you belly rubs uh there's a fabulous detail that i love in in the program <laughs> they have had to with a couple of the inmates who are in this program, they've had to limit the amount of access to shampoo that these inmates get because all they want to do is wash their dogs every day. <laughs> you know, that's not good for the dogs, but I could not stop uh, beaming when I heard that. These are, these are dudes who have worked very hard to get into this program. They have clean backgrounds of uh, nasty violence or abuse, so there's that set, but they also work extraordinarily hard to get in the program and to stay in because slackers in the program. um, Let me tell you the, the fabulous little thunderbolt Sergeant who I love. She's tough as nails and sweet as can be. She, she kicks the bums out who, who are dragon. She only wants, she's part of the linchpin that makes this program work. She only wants really engaged guys working with the dogs. So, 24-7 they are with their dog and they the dog technically is supposed to sleep in the kennel in the barracks with the other inmates uh, between their handler and trainer sometimes rumor has it that, that there's a little you know nighttime snuggling but I, I'm not telling tales out of school but all the rest of the time they are fully engaged
0: So they're training these dogs and working with them and giving them a real sense of security. Yes. And then when the program ends, the dogs are taken away from them. That must be a heartbreaking situation.
1: It is excruciating because in the 12-week cycle, aside from things like the very first maneuver the guys do is they have the dog eat out of their hand to establish dominance, to establish the fact that that's where the good stuff comes from. They go on to learn everything from stay, command, sits. Uh, I mean, it's it's intense. And you're right. Week 12 rolls around, graduation happens, and when I first visited this program, this was the piece of information I was determined to ask all the guys about. And I, technically I wasn't supposed to, but I didn't care. I talked to all of them and I said, okay, there's this beautiful thing that happens. Dogs graduate, quote-unquote. They they are adopted out to their families. W- doesn't that rip you apart? And here's what the guys told me. It is the worst day imaginable. Now, think about that. That's quite a claim from somebody in a prison situation because they've grown so attached. And I said, well, how do, you, how do you cope with this? What do you do? He says, well, half of us go away and cry. Go away, I mean, go to a corner, go somewhere somewhere a little out of sight and cry. And the rest of us get busy scrubbing down the kennels for the next set of dogs um, and fussing and anything to keep busy so that we are not ripped apart. And Aliqua in their immense brilliance does, a, does such a clever thing on that graduation day. The very next crew of dogs that are coming into the program arrive in the van within an hour of their dogs being surrendered to the forever homes. So within an hour, the guys are back to square one, which is taking a new dog and having it eat out of their hand. It is just the kindest, most brilliant maneuver.
0: Now, the people who adopt the dogs—they uh, do, are they matched up as the dogs are being trained? Do they know which dog they're going to get? Yeah, well, it's really, it's really quite funny.
1: The last couple of times I I visit this program a lot, um, I go and teach the guys some extra skills for managing their own behavior and their feelings in prison, along with energetic skills to use on the dogs and themselves. I sneak in as much work as I can because my time's limited there. There is I, I've seen some of the adoptive families come to visit during the twelve week cycle. And the dogs stay for the full twelve weeks, but inevitably when the when the visitors are there, it's always like, well can't we just take the dog today? Like we're we're parked like right outside. We could just stick him in the car. There's this wonderful little Facebook thing that happens, um, and if by the way, if you want to follow the program, I, I really recommend it because you get to see the guys, the dogs. There's tiny little videos of you know when they learn new stuff. It's kind of cool. But this is what give I'll, us the information
0: oh, sh- where we can uh, find that.
1: Sure, it's uh, go on Facebook and uh, just search uh, the Unconditional Love Program, and it'll pop right up. So the adopting families. I I don't think they I don't think they're mean to each other but they definitely vie for adoption rights cuz you know maybe you want a little dog maybe you want a brown dog maybe you want a there was a there was a stretch of time where in the program this was a couple of years ago there were a series of very large um uh, rescues of sets of great danes and chihuahuas at the same time so in the program <laughs> there was just like Horse-sized dogs and tiny-sized dogs. It was very amusing. So the adopters follow the progress. They show up. They make sure they're good matches because everybody wants the adoption to go so smoothly and and seamlessly. There are as many checks and balances in there as humanly possible.
0: But how do they do they They show up and just look at the whole range of dogs. Or? Yes. And then they say, oh, I'd like that dog. That looks like my kind of dog. Exactly. Now,
1: I, I'm, I have never seen it, but I bet there's probably a little hair pulling and eye gouging in a parking lot. Because <laughs> there are some dogs that are, you know, they're all great. And there are some that are absolute heart stealers. Uh, there are also a couple of guys in the program who are magical with dogs. They're all great. They're all really engaged. And there are a couple of naturally skilled guys. And sometimes the 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 dogs these guys have just seem
0: to have, I don't know, that little... little extra the, something. Yeah,
1: just a little extra, I don't know what it is.
0: Do the people uh, that are going to adopt the dogs, uh, do they come and actually work with the prisoners at any time? Yes, they do. Um,
1: that happens in the, the latter stages. Our joke is that... Um, yeah, we want these dogs adopted out so they can go to their family and forget everything that they've learned in the last 12 weeks. And I'm sure that happens. But w- they do their best. They teach them, they teach the family and have the family practice the important commands. And so that that's also a way to help the dog transition as well, cuz the dog gets attached, you know.
0: And the dog follows certain commands, so yes. they want to actually train the families how the dog has been trained.
1: Exactly right. And as you might imagine, training people is more challenging than training Much dogs. Much more
0: difficult. They don't respond to treats. Right. Well. Well, some people so, do. <laughs> I might, but yes. So now do you, you've you worked on some of these dogs. You've yeah. actually done adjustments. Maybe you could tell us a little about that. Sure.
1: Well, my, my body work background certainly comes in very handy. I have when I'm in the prison, the dogs there are in much better shape than the than the dogs that are at the refuge. So I get limited time in the prison anyway. So anytime I'm touching a dog or working, I am I'm always doing a bunch of things very quickly. So I'll do some energetic work. Uh, if there's an adjustment that needs doing, I'll I'll help that happen. When I go to aliqua i i did a recent trip down to um to the refuge to aliqua post-hurricane michael so i got down there early i actually toured the path of the hurricane in people land which was really upsetting and you know just miles of blue tarped roofs and demolished buildings very it's very hard very hard to see and then i went to work at the refuge and there were a very large selection of dogs many of uh, strangely many of them big dogs like lots of pit bulls lots of bull terriers big muscular dogs uh, and these dogs were quote unquote surrendered in the hurricane now that's a euphemism for left behind don't get me started cannot imagine so there's this cluster of dogs and they they have suffered through the hurricane itself, been frightened by it, but they've suffered the trauma of being abandoned. They also have, uh, in my estimation, I was very aware that the chaos that I saw in the landscape that I toured was the exact same chaos in their physical body, the same sort of nodding of the tissue. And, um, and, I, and that's, that's not a subtle thing to notice that's very obvious one of my specialties that I'm the proudest of is that I I have developed over the years ways to unlock trauma without the need to having having to go relive anything so when I work with people and animals that's one of the things who've been through a rough time that's one of the things I do and have have really profound success with nobody has to go relive anything they don't have to be uh, desensitized systematically. There's no re-traumatization. So working on those dogs, I was able to release from the tissue the trauma really quickly. And that for me, I always tell folks that I sleep really well at night. That's a day, that's an example of a day where I I rest really well because for the limited time that I have there, you get to unlock stuff that unless you know how to do it, unless it gets done, that stuff carries on. It doesn't just work its way out of its own accord. So that's part of what makes what makes me very happy.
0: Have you treated any dogs in particular uh, at the prison that you've fallen in love with? <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, the very first dog I ever saw there was a little white terrier. And I was spending most of my time there in my head thinking how can i kidnap this dog and stick it under my jumper and get out of the slamming and locking doors without being caught some of them really just make you headlong dive into love this this little this little terrier Uh, she won an award in the group that she was in of having come the furthest she was from she was rescued from a breeding program so she knew having babies and she knew a cage that was it and she nobody could touch her at the beginning of the the 12-week cycle she was astonishing and I did get a chance minimally to touch her to do some release work on her and yeah I would have I probably would have been serving
0: time myself for kidnapping a dog from a prison. Well, people might want to go to prison just to spend all that time with wonderful dogs and not being interrupted during their training sessions. Well, I'll tell you something.
1: Every time I go there, it's very hard for me to leave, very hard, um, and I have a relationship now with the guys um, and the sergeant who's, who really is the linchpin of, that makes this thing work and keeps it going. Um, and you know, she leaves me. Last time we were there, I mean, just as an example, I had I had one more one more visitation day there. I was teaching them a bunch of stuff to to maneuver their time inside, how to deal with their feelings, especially not only just being incarcerated, but how how the staff and the the inmates are constantly bumping heads. So I was teaching them some of that stuff. It was a nice day so we we went out into the yard everybody brought their yoga mats it's the guys the dogs and me and the sergeant says to me oh yeah i gotta go run some errands uh you know see you in an hour so i think nothing of it and then a few minutes later i'm in my head thinking hmm here i am nothing has ever felt more like home to me it's it was a beautiful time we got a lot of great work done we're out in the sun dogs are running around like maniacs they eventually settle down with their with their owners and trainers and uh yeah pretty good stuff
0: well this is an exciting uh program uh i, I really like dogs myself and uh it's nice that you do body work on dogs you do you want to give people maybe your website so they can see some of the things that oh, you sure. do yeah
1: absolutely um There are two that are worth poking around in. I I have a reputation in my industry. I think it annoys a lot of people. (laughs) I post a lot of free tools uh, on my sites, Um, basically because years ago when I wrecked my back and I needed help, I didn't have access to this sort of help. So I vowed that if ever I got the chance, I would make these tools available for folks who needed help at 3 in the morning or didn't have the money to go for a session or just needed to lean into something. So the tools are Rudy Hunter, R U D Y Hunter, H U N T E R.com. That's me. And then the one that's longer and more challenging to spell, uh, is hunters healing calls.com. So I'll spell that for you. H U N T E R S H E A L I N G C A L L S. So hunters healing com. They're linked together. If you find one, you'll find them both. You'll find all kinds of sub-sites, and you'll find all kinds of tools, not only for yourself, for people, but for animals as well. Uh, I'm an equal species helper, and if you dig around there, if you see any of the pages labeled dog love or prison, go look at some of the, there is some short video clips, and there's some shots of me and the dogs in prison, and there's a lot of shots of me shoved into tiny dog pens uh, looking cramped and uncomfortable. So that's fun.
0: Uh, Now, uh, do you have any advice for the regular people uh, in our audience that might need an adjustment or having a back pain or some kind of difficulties? Maybe there's some general advice you can give us to stay healthy and keep our bodies moving forward.
1: I have some great advice. Um, So the First of which is I love really competent medical providers, and I love really competent acupuncturists and chiropractors. I refer out to those folks all the time. The the best way to find somebody of that ilk is go ask your friends. Somebody who's had trouble, who's going to see somebody who they really like, that's somebody for you to go check out because we all want the same thing. We all want you feeling well staying strong and improving some of the some of the tools you'll see on my site will help with all kinds of areas including the physical body but also many of the perpetuators like our emotions did you know we had emotions out? Uh, a little, yeah. yes. I, 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 had, I, had,
0: ha- I had one once. Yes. I- <laughs> <laughs> in,
1: in my world, they are an enormous big deal. So in addition to finding somebody to work with who's really good, or maybe a couple, you know, maybe there's a really good massage therapist that you like, and there's some uh, chiropractor that you really like, go, you know, go check them all out. In addition to that, if you have something that's chronic, please poke around the territory of feelings that might be uncomfortable. There is no bigger 800 pound gorilla in most of our lives than either trauma or difficult feelings that we haven't fully processed. So you'll find a lot of that stuff on the sites, lean into the free tools. You'll, you'll do really well with them in addition to getting the physical hands-on care as well.
0: Anything you'd like to add to our conversation today for our audience?
1: I I was
0: just trying to remember earlier today
1: how long we've known each other, and it's a long time.
0: Time does go quickly.
1: It does go quickly. I just I just can't tell you how thankful I am uh, that we're friends. It's it's oh, a
0: real pleasure for me. That's very nice, Rudy. Thank you so much for joining us today on conversation. Oh, my pleasure.